This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rava. Let's have the title of our message up this morning. Shaping your world with words. Now, which would you say are the most powerful words that we can speak? The words that God speaks. Because if He spoke them, they carry His power. So if we say what God says, then we are releasing His power in our lives, in that situation. Wouldn't you agree? And so when we speak what He says, then His power is released. Isn't that so? Otherwise, if I speak my words that are not necessarily in God's words, then that's fine. We need to communicate. But if I'm speaking over my life something, and it's not what God says, then whose power is going to be released? Because every word has power. So whose power is then going to be released if I don't say what God says? It's either going to be my power, which is limited, or it's going to be the enemy's power, which is destructive, right? So we want to speak the words God speaks, right? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 18. Are you ready? Verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven like as tongues, like as of fire. Can you imagine that? These little things on above them, like a little cloven, you know, fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, watchers, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Watchers, behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? In other words, they all should be speaking the same language. But you know yourself that they were speaking in tongues, but what they heard was different to what was coming out of their mouth, because God supernaturally was doing the work. Verse 8, And how hear we, every man, watches, there it is again, confirmed, how hear we, every man, in our own language, wherein we were born. So notice, every single one of us is hearing them in our language. So they were all speaking in tongues. If you were Greek and you were Spanish, you were hearing them in your language. Interesting. That's a work of God. Then he tells us what they were. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia in Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia in Egypt, and in the parts of Libya about Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, and we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. The reason why so many of them are listed to give us a, an idea is how many people were hearing 
the same crowd, but they were listening and hearing something different. Verse 12, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. Watch this. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. So it's nine o'clock in the morning. How can they be drunk? But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. So what did he just say? What Joel prophesied some seven, eight hundred years ago is happening now. That's what he's saying. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, he says, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Interesting. So, let me ask you a question. What do you think Peter meant when he said what he said in verse 16? He said, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Because right there in that key, he tells the crowd why this is happening, and he gives them the answer. He says, they're not drunk. There's nothing wrong here. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Look how powerful that statement is. And I'm going to break it down for us in a moment and show you. So let's do that. Let's break it down and take a look at it. So here's the first slide. Now, this is from uh, BibleHub.com. Anyone can access it. It's all available for us there. This is from their interlinear Bible. What is an interlinear Bible? It's a Bible that has the original language, and it has the English along with it, as you can see there in orange. But also, an interlinear Bible puts the original language in order and puts the English language in the same order as the original language, whether it's Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic. Okay? So it helps us understand it clearly as far as the tense goes of the original language. And so look at that real carefully. So that same phrase that the King James translates, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, should actually be put this way. But this is that having been spoken by the prophet Joel. Now you may say, how does that make any difference? It sounds like the same thing. Well, it's not. Because what he is actually saying, he's saying, but this, what is the this? Them speaking in tongues and, declare, and everyone hearing it in their own language, the gospel, right? The good news. So that's the this. So he says, but this, he says, is that. What is the that? What Joel said hundreds of years before that, right? And why was it the prophet Joel? Why did he specifically mention prophet? Exactly, because he prophesied. What does it mean to prophesy? You are speaking what God said, right? So look at this. Let's put it together again. But this is that which was, which Joel 
said what God said, that is what's happening now. All right, so let's go to the next slide. The, the screen here is for the word this from the Strong's Concordance, okay? And I'm not going to go through all of that, but I want you to see the bottom line. This is how it was used in biblical times in those times. So that word, this, is the word, uh, where is it? Hotus, right? And hutus. It can be translated or it's used at the bottom as this, he, she, or it. Which is exactly how it's used in this phrase. So you could say it this way. But it, in other words, what's happening, that's the it, right? And then let's go to the next screen. You'll see, we're going to put it all together now. Now, this is the original for the word is, I-S, okay? And it's the word Amy, I me. And look at the bottom. It can be translated as I am or exist. Now, there is a key right there. Are you following here? So, in other words, what, Joel, what Peter said is, but it exists having been spoken by the prophet Joel. In other words, because someone spoke what God said, it exists. There's the word having been spoken. It's the word erimanon. And that's how it's translated as having been spoken. In other words, it has been said. In other words, God said it. Joel is repeating what God said, right? So, having seen all of that, would you agree with me then that we could say that what Peter was in essence saying is, is that it exists having been spoken. Correct? So in other words, what Peter was saying is, what you see these people speaking in a strange tongue, but yet you are hearing it in your own language and you are understanding it, it is happening because Joel spoke what God said. And that's what made it exist now. Are you with me? So we could put it this way too, more simply in our vernacular. He's basically saying, or he said, this is happening because it was spoken. Right? So if Joel had not spoken it, it probably would not have happened. It's because Joel spoke what God said that it actually happened. So are words powerful? Of course they are. That's why he said the prophet Joel. He wanted to make sure we understood that Joel was repeating what God said. And because he repeated what God said, it happened. So this is that. So can a this happen without a that? Would it have happened without a that? There would have been no this. I've lost someone already, right? So how, do we, how does that apply to us in our lives? Do you need a this? Then you need to say a that. And then you can say, this is that which was spoken by me. Because when you speak what God says, you prophesy. You're doing exactly what Joel did. The other way we could put what he said is, is that there is a this because there was a that. Right? So whenever you need something to happen in your life, whenever you need something shaped in your life, and you need a this, what do you need to do? You need to say a that. Find what God said 
about it and you will see it manifest. If God has said something, it is a that and it can make our this happen, right? And that's how we can shape our life or how we can bring things you know, in line in our lives. I mean, for example, and one of the things that people often talk about here in San Antonio is, uh, in actual fact, um, I went to see a doctor one time because I had to go for a checkup, and um, I was telling him about just, because I had to blow my nose all the time, uh, you know, just for a season. And I personally just thought, there was too much humidity and I was just excreting a lot of mucus. I know it's not what you want to hear, but uh, anyway, so, you know, my wife insisted that I get, I tell him about it and see what he says. And I thought, okay, you know, if I don't do what my wife says, I'll be in trouble. So I do what she said. So I told this doctor and I said to him, you know, just I have a lot of mucus coming out and I keep blowing my nose, you know. And immediately he gets on this little lecture. He says, well, you know, um, San Antonio is regarded as the capital of allergies and the pollen and the Sahara Desert dust. And he gave me this whole gospel of allergies. And, uh, he's, and he says, me and my wife, we use this, this, and this. And don't take the same one all the time because then your body gets accustomed to it. Then you no longer can repel the allergies. Swap these out. One day this, one day this one, one day this one. So now I've got to get three allergy products and you know, alternate them. <clears throat> And you've got to take this, 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 and that. And he went on for about 10, 15 minutes about this, what I call the gospel of allergy. And um, I, well, it's not really the gospel because it's not good news, so I don't know what else to call it. But fake news, yeah, or whatever. So anyway, he carried on. And I guess he thought I was taking it all in, and I was now becoming a disciple of the, the doctrine of allergies. And so when he was finished, because I don't want to be rude and cut him off, when he was finished... He looked at me and he expected me to acknowledge and agree. And I looked at him and I said to him, well, that's good to know all that information, but I don't accept that for me because I don't, I don't believe that. He says, he got up, he stood up from his chair and he got mad at me. He says, this is not about believing, this is fact. You need to be a realist. And he gave me a little lecture. And I, I just repeated the same thing. I said, thank you. I appreciate the information, but you see, that is not my this. And I wasn't going to accept it. And I said, thank you, I appreciate it, I'll take the names, and I didn't go back to him, because <laughs> I don't want to keep hearing that. But the point is, is that, you know, honestly, I don't have any allergy issues. I need to blow my nose now and then, like every other human being, but I refuse to accept them. And I'm not saying I've got it all down, but my point is, is that in Isaiah 53, God gave me his that. And I want that to be my this. So I don't accept it. So if you are receiving guilt or condemnation now because maybe you feel different about the subject, I'm not judging or condemning you. I'm just telling you where I am. God said that, so this is going to be our this. Amen? I've had all kinds of things thrown at me about doctors, by the way. And they've shown me the proof and the evidence. But you know what? I need to choose what I'm going to believe. I'm going to choose whose word I'm going to believe. Amen? And we all need to do the same thing. And so let me move on because I can see I may have stepped on some sensitive toes there. So let's just move on and carry on. Now, remember what I said. That He said, there is a this because there was a that. So someone spoke what God said 
and it happened and it came to pass in that situation, right? And we are encouraged to do the same, which is what? To speak what God speaks, right? And what will happen when you speak what God speaks? It will shape your life, right? We can wallow down and go with everything, or we can speak what God speaks and enjoy His power manifesting and working in our lives. Amen? And in actual fact, it's in that very same chapter that we saw that, that we are encouraged to do the same. Let's look at it again. It's going to come up next. Acts 2 verse 18. Remember we read this? He said, And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. What does it say next? And they will what? And what does prophesy mean? To say what God says, right? And they will say what God says, meaning that they will also see a this because of that. Right? Isn't that powerful? Praise God for the that so we can have the this. So if we speak a that, what will follow? A this. How many thises do you need? We all need some thises, right? I know that it's not the best English. Well, we just need to speak of that. Remember, he says, and they shall prophesy. They will say what God says. I want to show you the, me, the, the direct original for that word prophesy. That's what it's next. Watch this. This is how the Helps Word Studies puts it. Watch how it defines that word prophesy. Remember, it says, and they shall prophesy. Let's just look at the highlight. It's a compound of two words. So it's two words in one. Uh, put together. But what I've highlighted there, it means to assert by elevating one statement above over another. So in other words, even though there is one opinion, one statement that could be said, I'm going to assert what God says above that statement. That's what that means, right? And then the second highlight there, it means uh, it's foretelling which reveals the mind or the message of God in a particular situation. So very clearly, when you prophesy, the situation that you are in may not line up with what God said, but you assert it above what's going on, and you're speaking God's, what God said, and therefore it is going to alter the situation. That's what this is saying. That's what I want to show you there. All right, so let's go to Proverbs 18.21. What does it say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue only when you mean it. And they that love it shall eat its fruit thereof. Is that what it says? No, that would be from the opinions translation, right? No, this, what does it say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, for sure, guaranteed. And they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. And you know, that's one thing we all need to learn, because this is all part of that for changing out this. Amen? Words are powerful. It's like I said to you. I mean, people have said things to me that are hurtful, and I felt that power, and I'm sure it's the same thing with you. I may have said something to you, not thinking about it, and hurt you. But you know when you've been hurt by someone's words. Do they have power? Of course they do. So words are powerful, Right? And so, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, does the words we speak, do they only bring about death? Can they bring about life? 
So bad words, not, not good, words that are not good for us, what will they do? Bring destruction and negative things in our lives. Right? How often do we hear people say, oh, you know, I'm, just, I'm not good with that. I just can't do that. I just, I just. They think they've been a realist, but they don't realize that those words are actually bringing not good things into their life. I'd rather not say anything. I mean, I told you my little story about Helena. When I first met her, I was praying for a wife. God showed me it would be her. I didn't, I didn't know her. I never met her. It took me two months to get the courage to go and speak to her. My friends eventually pushed us both together and made us talk. But when I first started seeing her, I asked her to be my girlfriend six times. And she turned me down six times. But you know what I said, what God said? A righteous man will fall seven times, but he will get up. And I thought, I'm going to keep doing it, because she just doesn't have revelation. She doesn't have the revelation that I have from God, that she's supposed to be my wife. But anyway, so I just kept on asking. Eventually, whether she felt sorry for me, I don't know what it was, I don't care. She ended up saying yes. And you know what? The first kiss was true love's kiss. And she fell in love with me, and then it was the other way. I had to keep your hands off, lady. Come on. <laughs> just, you know, there's enough of me. Give me space. <laughs> That's how it was. It wasn't quite like that, but it was close. <laughs> but anyway, but I refused to accept that. And you know, my mom would get on my case. She would say, son, you are embarrassing yourself. You are shaming yourself. She told you no six times. Move on. There's lots of other fish in the sea. She said, you, you, my dad, she said, dad and I will find you someone of good Italian breed or whatever. I said, mom, God showed me that lady. And that lady is my wife. And I would just speak what God said. And you know what? That, this is that. Quite honestly. So we know that God's word works because there is power in our tongues. I mean, and, and, you know, I still remember I was the first one to say I love you. And she didn't want to hurt my feelings. And she would like, mm. she would do that, you know, like make me think maybe she was saying it. And I would tell her, I said, you, you're in love with me. You love me. You just don't know it, but you are. And eventually she did because words are powerful because this is that. God told me that's my wife, so I spoke what God said, and it happened. And again, today she just can't keep herself from me, but you know. <laughs> there's enough of me to go around. <laughs> anyway, she's just chuckling in the back there. But anyway, words have power, right? They can either bring death or they can bring life. Do you realize that words are so powerful that we cannot even be saved without words? Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, watch this. It says that, that if you confess with your mouth, in other words, if you say what God says, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what does it say? You will be saved. So how does our salvation manifest in our lives? Because we say that, and then we have this, Right? For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, watch us now, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So are you saved by going to church? Are you saved because your family is Christian? Are you saved because you hang around other Christians? How are you saved? Because you say what God said 
and you spoke it and you believe it and it happened. So you cannot even be saved without saying what God said. And it is words that get us saved. So our, if words are powerful enough to get us saved, wouldn't you agree they're powerful enough to manifest anything else in our lives? If words can cause salvation to manifest in our lives, words can cause anything else to happen in our lives. Right? So we need to use the power God gave us. Amen? Why? Because we want to shape our world. We want a better future. We want a better present. We want to benefit our life and we want to enjoy better things. Amen? Maybe you have been struggling with something. Maybe there's been something going on in your life. Don't ever waver, but keep saying what God says because it will change. Amen? Because when we speak of that, we have a this. James 3, verse 2 and 5. We can't talk about words without speaking about James. We're going to read this from the Passion Translation. Are you ready? Thank you for that one resounding, awesome, powerful amen. Watch this. We all fail in many areas, but especially with our words. Isn't that true? I think some of the biggest mistakes I made in my life is in things that I've said. With our words. Yet, watch this. If we're able to bridle the words we say, we are powerful enough to control ourselves in every way. And that means our character is mature and fully developed. Do you realize what that is saying right there? If we can learn to control the words we speak, we actually are working on our character and our maturity at the same time. It's pretty powerful. So are words important? Yes. This is why I don't want us to just speak flippant words. You know, well, everyone else said that. Or this is the reality of my situation. Even if it is, speak what God says. Amen. Then it says in verse 3, to give us illustrations. Watch this. Horses have bits and bridles in their mouths so that we can control and guide their large body. How many of you have ever stood by a horse, a full-grown horse? Those things are huge. I mean, if it falls on you, you're going to be a pancake. Those things are huge. And how strong are they? Extremely strong. They, I mean, in the olden days, as you know, they used to torture people and tie up their limbs to horses and send them off in the different directions. And I don't want to explain the rest to you. But they are extremely powerful. I mean, they can pull heavy weight, right? And yet this, in context, says this, that you can have a situation that is so strong, so overwhelming, so powerful, and yet with your words, that situation can be controlled. Why? Because when we say what God says, when we say that, we'll have the this. Right? Then to make the point even clearer, in verse 4 it says, And the same with mighty ships. Though they are massive and driven by fierce winds, yet they are steered by a tiny rudder at the direction of the person at the helm. Now, you know, ships are huge. The biggest one I personally have seen is the one they have on display at Corpus Christi. I don't know, it's the U.S., uh, it's named after some general. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Lexington. It's huge. We went up on it when my mother still came. We went up on it, we went down, and I mean, it's just, it's like a city. 
It's huge. And yet when you look at this huge ship, right at the back, under the water, there's a rudder that's not even 1% of the size, I don't think. And that little thing controls it like a fin and makes that ship go wherever the captain at the helm wants it to go. And that's the point that this is making. We can have a situation that is so huge that winds are pushing against it. They're just everything seems to be against it. And yet with our words, we can control that situation. But specifically, when we say what God says, we will see the manifestation of his power. Amen? Come on, somebody. Then it says in verse 5, to make sure we get it, And so the tongue is a small part of the body, yet it carries great power. So all of that was to tell us, your words are powerful and they can shape your world. Amen? Words are powerful, especially God's words. Wouldn't you agree? This is why we should speak what God says first and foremost. I'm not talking about positive affirmations. I mean, there's a lot of gurus out there that will tell you, you know, just say your eyelashes are pretty and, and, and your eyes sparkle when, when you talk. I mean, fine, say those things. But I want to say what God says. God says, I am wise. God says, I am healed. I'm whole. God says that I have favor. God says that, you know, we carry on with what God says. Because when God says, it's his power at work. Amen. Let's end over this one. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 from the New King James. Watch what it says here. Speaking to believers here. He says, pursue love. Talking about the love of God and loving one another with the love of God. And what does it say next? And desire spiritual gifts. What does that mean? Desire supernatural gifts, right? In other words, desire the things God only manifests and makes available to us, right? But, watch this, especially that you may prophesy. But especially that you may say what God says. Why? Because then you will have a this. So even there we're encouraged to speak what God says. Because that will be the that, so we can have the this. Amen? And that's why God wants us to speak. So of all spiritual gifts, the one you should pursue most is to speak what God says. Why? Because when you, says what God, when, you says, <laughs> when you say what God says, you will have what God wants you to have. Amen? Think about God when he shaped the world, when he put the world into place. How did he do it? with his words. The earth was without form, without shape. Darkness was on the face of the deep, it says. How did God put everything in place with his words? And are his words still working today? Yeah, because everything's still in place today. So how will things come into place in your life when you say what God says? Amen? We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.